PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. Physical therapists diagnose and treat people of all ages with all types of health conditions to help keep them moving and functioning in daily life. There were also benefits in psychological function, which I found very interesting. They can have a bit more control of their fibromyalgia. The clinician has to be prepared to assume a certain role. He has to fine-tune the knowledge about proper dosage, things like that. Welcome to this PTJ podcast discussion, Slow and Steady Wins the Race, Physical Therapy and the Management of Fibromyalgia. In July 2008, PTJ published two Ottawa Panel Clinical Practice Guidelines. In these guidelines, the Ottawa panel recommends both aerobic fitness exercises and strengthening exercises for the management of fibromyalgia. Today, PTJ editorial board member Dr. Mara Everson talks with two members of the Ottawa panel, from the Ottawa Methods Group, Dr. Lucy Brosso, and from the Ottawa panel External Experts Group, Dr. Angela Bush. And now, Dr. Mara Everson. Welcome to the Physical Therapy Journal podcast, Today's podcast focuses on the recent clinical practice guidelines for fibromyalgia published in the journal in July of this year. Fibromyalgia is a syndrome of unknown etiology characterized by diffuse pain and nonspecific musculoskeletal complaints. Fibromyalgia affects both men and women, but affects a disproportionate number of women between the ages of 30 and 50 years. Patients typically present with muscle tenderness on specific areas of the body, as well as fatigue and pain. Today, we have Dr. Lucy Brousseau, University Research Chair and Professor of the Physiotherapy Program in the School of Rehabilitation Sciences in the University of Ottawa, Canada. Welcome, Lucy. Hi. Thank you uh, to invite me today to this uh, discussion group. I'm specialized in evidence-based practice for physical rehabilitation specialists, and my main research interest is to improve physical rehabilitation practice in developing Ottawa panel guidelines, disseminating them, and implementing them in several fields of physical therapy practice. Thank you, Lucy. We also have with us today Dr. Angela Bush, who is Associate Professor and Director of the School of Physical Therapy at the University of Saskatchewan in Canada. Welcome, Angela. Thank you. I've been very interested in fibromyalgia for a number of years and conducted a number of studies in this area, and it's always been an interesting area to me, so I'm very pleased to be here. Well, I'm very excited about today's topic. We know that fibromyalgia is a very difficult condition to treat, both because the etiology is unknown and, secondly, because there is no known cure for this syndrome. So I'd like to begin today by asking you, Dr. Brousseau, why did you undertake this review? Okay. I'm developing Ottawa panel guidelines in several areas in physical therapy practice. Two years ago, I have obtained funding from the Arthritis Society of Canada to conduct an exhaustive literature search and develop the Ottawa Panel Guidelines on Therapeutic Exercise for Fibromyalgia, including strengthening and aerobic fitness programs, and also for others ready to be published in the future. So I invited Dr. Angela Bush and other experts to be part of this Ottawa panel, and this was about two years ago. 
Now, actually, you have reported two practice guidelines, one for the use of aerobic exercise and the other for strengthening exercise. If you could please tell us a bit about what you've learned in each of these practice guidelines. So, with the uh, literature review, we can develop 29 positive Ottawa panel recommendations that show that aerobic fitness program or strengthening exercise program are effective for several outcomes, quality of life, depression symptoms, muscle strength, endurance, flexibility, sleep quality, and, of course, pain relief for patients with fibromyalgia. Although aerobic fitness exercise seems to be overall more effective than strengthening exercise, both types of exercise offer patient and physical therapists potential options for fibromyalgia symptoms management. So it's uh, quite interesting. I do, Lucy. For a moment, I'd like to ask Dr. Bush, what new information did these clinical practice guidelines offer to you? I think the practice guidelines were very helpful in identifying some of the benefits to exercise for people with fibromyalgia. The first randomized control trial looking at exercise was conducted two decades ago, 1988, by McCain and his associates. Since that time, there have been quite a number of studies, and this clinical practice guideline included 16 studies on aerobic exercise. What I was impressed with was the great variability of the interventions. There were interventions that were designed for groups, for individuals. There was land, water, both land and water, cycling, walking, jogging, swimming. There was evidence to support the exercise programs resulted in a number of important benefits to people with fibromyalgia. Now, given all of the variability in the types of interventions and the dosages and the lengths of the programs, it's not surprising that some of the results were spotty, but I think it was very reassuring to learn that pain relief was experienced in three of the studies. Endurance and cardiorespiratory function was improved in four of the studies and quality of life in another four. There were also benefits in psychological function, which I found very interesting, improvements in depression and in anxiety as well. So a number of those areas have been not really as apparent, even in systematic reviews that I've conducted So that was quite important. The other aspect is that although the predominant amount of research has been in aerobics, there were five studies looking at strengthening exercise. There too, we find some grade A evidence in favor of pain relief, improvement in physical disability and depression, quality of life and muscle strength. So this CPG and the evidence upon which it is based gave me increasing confidence. It's something that's been growing, but it's important to be convinced of the benefits. For me, that was that was one of the most impressive things. Another was that, in fact, there was a, a lack of studies that looked at flexibility exercises, yet that's something that we would assume is important, but we don't really have enough studies there to establish that. Thank you, Dr. Bush. Um, Dr. Brousseau, tell me a little bit about how clinicians can apply the information that you've learned from your study. So the challenge for the physical therapist is to adopt exercise program 
that are effective for their patient with fibromyalgia. So sometimes there's barriers on the work environment like time or financial problems. Sometimes it's the personal characteristic of the guideline adopters. Sometimes they have the skills, but we have to fine-tune the knowledge about proper dosage, things like that. In the literature about implementation intervention, there's a lot of things that can work to adopt those guidelines, like continuing education course, uh, case-based training, use of local opinion leaders, use of reminders, feedback, and professional association like giving them evidence-based certificates or credits or professional recognition. So some of these implementation interventions are more effective than others depending on the characteristic of the physiotherapist. I think that along with that, um, for a clinician, they do need to be aware that adherence has been a problem with the exercise programs among the participants of the studies upon which this clinical practice guideline was based. So I think that the clinician has to be prepared to assume a certain role. They have to be prepared to help the client with fibromyalgia avoid some of the problems that they can run into by over-enthusiastically embracing an idea and overdoing it. So this role for guiding patients is very important for a clinician to be successful. If we can do that, if we can provide better consultation, we'll find that our clients are able to adopt exercise and achieve some of these benefits that we're talking about and that will boost the confidence of the clinicians. We need to be careful about being overly enthusiastic. Slow and steady wins the race. Sums up how I feel about it at this point. I agree with you. That's a very good recommendation to make. Um, Dr. Brousseau, one of the questions that often arises with practice guidelines is how long does a guideline last? How long will it be useful? Could you shed some light on the value of a practice guideline and its shelf life? Um, Because uh, guidelines are developed based on current scientific literature, the primary studies are constantly published, so we have to update the guidelines quite often. The unwritten rules for guidelines is after five years, we shouldn't use the guideline anymore. But when a recommendation is already proven effective, you can be confident to use this intervention. It's when we have insufficient evidence, it's more obvious that we need to update the literature quite often Another advantage to update the literature is also to have more precision about dosage and uh, intervention parameters that are good to know to apply optimally an intervention. But there's two limitations. It's the financial problem that we have to find money to do those updates and also how to publish updates with editors. There's sometimes information within the same article compared to a previous article. And I don't know if editors are willing to accept that. Thank you, Dr. Brousseau. So 
what would you recommend for future research in fibromyalgia? We have to um, conduct uh, RCTs that use more uh, standardized outcome. It would be also interesting to analyze subgroups of patients with fibromyalgia, for example, with and without depression. Um, we have to also develop more long-term and larger control trials. And also, I think, long-term compliance studies using behavioral approach to find out what is the best way to motivate a patient with fibromyalgia to perform these effective exercise programs. So, an ambitious project. <laughs> Very ambitious. Dr. Bush, would you like to add any well, other I, recommendations? I would strongly agree with what Dr. Brussel has said. I would really love to see studies which would assess the dose-response curve for improvement of fibromyalgia symptoms, how much exercise is needed to achieve the symptom relief, and what is that curve like? If exercise is too intense, do we start to lose the benefit or does it just escalate with that? I think the follow-up periods have been quite short, with the exception of one study in our group of studies. One study went out to four years, but most of the other ones did not have a very long follow-up at all. So we definitely need to have that kind of information so that we can be confident when we're promoting exercise that it will have enduring effects. We need to have studies that have sufficient power. Some of our studies were very small. They're advocating now at least 50 subjects per group. Uh, note of optimism, there is progress in this way. Our studies are getting to be more adequately powered all the time, greater sample sizes. I think also we do need to monitor exercise adherence during the exercise intervention so that if a study is looking at exercise, and they're trying to get a certain percentage of heart rate maximum. Are they really achieving that or are they not? We'll need that in order to really know the dosage. I'd like to see some factorial designs which combine exercise with other types of interventions, exercise and education, for example, so that we can tease out what effects we're getting from each of those components. I'd like to see us investigate some of the barriers to regular exercise. The outcome measures is a definite problem. Within this body of research, there are hundreds of outcome measures and we need to come up with a standardized set of them and that will help us a lot too. Thank you very much. Now, in our audience, we also have patients with fibromyalgia and I would like to take a moment to ask both of you, beginning with Dr. Brousseau, what in brief can you recommend for the patients in our audience with fibromyalgia? I think they have to be confident a bit more now that they can have a bit more control of their fibromyalgia in knowing that there's some effective exercise program that they can do. They have also to be sure that they adapt it for their own needs and to be supervised by a physical therapist. Uh, another is to use self-management program such as people getting a grip program that was developed with the Arthritis Society of Canada 
for patients with osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, go to www.arthritis.ca. It's the website of the Arthritis Society of Canada. Slash people getting a grip. You can have all access material for the patient and also it's a good resource for physical therapy. Dr. Bush? I think that it's very clear that benefits can be achieved through exercise, even for people with fibromyalgia. Many of the authors of the studies did make a point of saying that exercise is safe for people with fibromyalgia. I'd like to advise them that something is better than nothing. So if you are not doing anything, even doing a little will have its rewards for you. Seek help if you run into trouble. I was quite alarmed talking to people with fibromyalgia that many of them did not feel they had anyone to turn to if they ran into problems with their exercise and that they had not sought out a health professional. Physical therapists are there. They should be able to help you if you run into a problem with a certain piece of exercise equipment, for example. So seek that help out. Go slow, go steady, and think of this as a long-term thing. We know that health benefits can be achieved for the general population. We feel that those can be achieved for you as well as the additional benefits to your fibromyalgia. Thank you both very much. It's interesting and exciting to see the advances we're making in the management of fibromyalgia. We've learned a lot about the management of fibromyalgia and the benefits of these evidence-based clinical practice guidelines. We recognize the value of exercise for patients with fibromyalgia and realize that there is much to do with respect to further research on identifying core sets of outcomes in this area, conducting larger clinical trials, and addressing the issue of adherence to exercise in order to better understand the benefits of exercise in this patient population. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. Your feedback is highly valued. Do you have any comments, topics you'd like to hear in the future? Let us know via email, ptj at scienceaudio.net, or voicemail, 626-593-7825. Visit PTJ online at www.ptjournal.org.